Amen. You can have a seat. So what's God doing in your life? We, we're talking about that question and thinking about how beginning a new year, sometimes it's much better for us to not so much make resolutions and think about, okay, what do I need to change about my life? But how can I open my life up to God so that he can be at work changing what is important to him? And, and here we are several weeks into a new year and into this series that we're calling First Things First. And maybe you're sort of wondering, okay, I, I've tried to do that. Tried to open my life up to God, but so far, I don't feel like anything big has changed. And that may be. Because sometimes God works on His schedule and His calendar rather than ours. We would like to see immediate change. We want to see it happen today. But God sometimes works much more slowly than that. And in fact, God may be at work in your life right now, and you just haven't seen what He's doing yet. But we talked about how we want to put first things first and how Matthew's gospel records Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that really has been the key verse for this series. And we talked first about how we should focus on what matters most. And then last week we talked about the fact that when we try to put first things first, we end up facing some distractions. Some of them are good things and some of them are destructive things and we need to put them in perspective or get rid of them entirely if they're the destructive things so that God can be at work in our lives. Now today, I want us to take another step in this journey of putting first things first and think about an area of our life that may be as important as anything except our relationship with God, seeking Him first in His kingdom because it affects virtually every decision, every day, everything in our lives. And it's very simple. It's our relationships, right? Our relationships are so important because we have an impact on other people and they have an impact on us. But relationships are also very complicated, right? Because each one of us is a unique individual. And each person that we're dealing with is also a unique individual. So every relationship in our lives is different from every other one and every other relationship other people are having. So when we get in a group of even just three or four people, each one of our relationships with those people is different and their relationships with each other is different. So it's so complex and so complicated and sometimes it trips us up. And so every day we're thinking about how we're relating to other people and, and what we find is that life's greatest joys and life's greatest sorrows are wrapped up in our relationships, right? So the things that give us the most, most joy, whether it's a new romance or a marriage or kids or parents or our siblings, friends at church, wherever it is, I mean, those things can really bring us great joy. And because we mess up, because other people mess up, because death is a part of our lives, it also can bring us great sorrow. So how do we approach our relationships? I mean, if they're that important, and what we find is the Bible clearly thinks they're that important because over and over we have stories about relationship. We have instruction about relationship. All that's there throughout the Bible. If it's that important, how do we put our relationships in the perspective of putting first things first and seeking the kingdom of God above all else? That's what I want us to think about today. Now, we all sort of approach relationships with other people 
in different ways. So I can think of one relationship, someone I went to church with for six years, virtually every single Sunday. That person is not in the room right now, okay? So I'm not talking about anybody here, okay? Let's just be clear before we get going. This person, not once in those six years, ever came up to speak to me just to say hello, to say, how are you doing today? None of that, okay? Whenever I saw this person coming toward me, I knew she either wanted me to do something that would benefit her or she wanted to complain about something. I'm talking about every single time for six years. Now, nobody look at each other. I told you it wasn't anybody in the room, okay? Somebody came up after church, first service, and said, hey, James, I just wanted to see how you're doing today. Nobody has to do that either. I'm not talking about you, okay? But we contrast that with other people in our lives that, that have a genuine concern for us and receive our genuine concern for them, who seem to be more interested in a, a mutuality of responsibility and care and concern. Okay, which person would I rather be around? Which person do I want to have a cup of coffee with or share a meal with? Which person do I want to share life with? Well, that's not a hard question to answer, is it? But here's what I also know. I can just about guarantee that there are some people that I've known somewhere along the line who would say, you know what? Whenever James came to talk to me, it seemed like he just wanted something from me. He wanted me to volunteer to do something in church or whatever. It was just, it was always about what could I do for him. My guess is there are people out there like that. And maybe we've all been on both ends of that relationship where there are times that we're just sort of the one who wants something all the time, but there's also those people that we share that mutuality with. We're sharing life with that person. And which do we want to be? Not only which do we want to know, but which do we want to be? So I want us to think about that today. How do we develop that kind of thing in our lives? Now, as I said, the Bible talks about this literally from beginning to end, because it doesn't take long before there's problems in relationships. We see that in the first few chapters of Genesis, and it goes all the way to Revelation. And so we find plenty of instruction about this, but in this series, we're focusing in on three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew that we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's just teaching from Jesus. If your Bible has red letters for the words of Jesus, it's all in red letters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And that's where we find this teaching, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we talked about some teaching from Matthew 5 last week that helps us with those distractions. So Jesus dealt with a couple of specific ones, but we said there are principles there that work their way out into our whole lives. And I think that's what we'll see this week. Jesus deals with some specific problems that can crop up in relationships but we learn principles from what he teaches that I think apply to virtually every relationship in our lives. So we're going to begin today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. And we're, we're going to follow a pattern that we saw developed last week where Jesus quotes something from what we would call the Old Testament, what they would call the Bible, because it was all the Bible they had when Jesus was born. Okay, it's the Old Testament. He's going to quote something from either the Old Testament or some of the teachers that taught the Bible in his day. Okay, so here's how it begins. 
Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, okay, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Now, it's hard to find the direct quote from that, but we see similar language at work in both the Old Testament books of Numbers and Leviticus. So Jesus is saying something that they would have all been familiar with. Now, we're not talking about an oath in terms of don't say a bad word. Jesus is saying, listen, there, there are ways that people make vows to one another. Like, I'm promising to tell the truth, okay? Or we're in a business agreement, so we're making promises. This is how we're going to do business. So he said, you've heard that it was said, if you make a promise, keep it. I'm telling you there's even more at work than that. He says this in verse 34. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. What's he talking about? Here's what Jesus is talking about. People in his day, if, if someone questioned, are you telling the truth? Or they needed to make some kind of agreement if they were in business. Maybe their children were marrying. All kinds of ways that people related this way. They would make a vow or an oath. I promise I'm telling the truth. And like we would say, I swear on my mama's grave. Okay? They would say, I swear by the temple. Or I swear by the gold of the temple. Or I swear by my own head. In other words, if I'm lying, may God sort of lop my head off. May I die if I'm not telling the truth. But they had this intricate system of loopholes. So even if it sounded like you're swearing by something important, maybe something that belongs to God, if you did it in just a different, slightly different wording, it didn't count. So... You could swear by the temple and your vow was not binding in the same way as if you swore by the gold on the temple because of its purity. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you tell someone something, don't use one of these loopholes and say it in just the right way that you might fool them into thinking you're going to tell the truth. Don't use that system. That's not the way people who follow me should interact. He has a better way. He says this in verse 37. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So Jesus is basically saying this, this really simple thing. Just tell people the truth. Be a person of integrity so that, that they know if you open your mouth and speak to them, you're going to tell them the truth. They can expect truth from you because of their experience with you. They know you're going you're gonna to tell the truth. Or if you promise to do something, you are going to do it. Like we have people in our lives that we know if they tell us, I'm going to do this, we can be sure it is going to happen, right? We don't have to send a reminder. We don't have to send a text saying, oh, by the way, would you remember to? We know if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. And we have people in our lives that we know if we don't send five reminders, they're not going to do it, right? Jesus is saying, be one of those people, if you speak it, you're such a person of integrity that the other person will expect that you are speaking the truth and you will keep your commitment. This is one of the ways that we develop healthy, lifelong relationships and one of the ways we model our relationship with other people after the way God works 
with us. All right? So this is seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness. That's what we're talking about right now. His righteousness in the way that we speak to other people. But it's not always people that we get along with. Jesus says this in verse 38. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And we do find teaching very much like that in the Old Testament, where it almost sounds like the law says, if someone does something wrong to you, you have to take equal revenge on that person. But in truth, that really wasn't what the teaching was about. The teaching was about the problem of when someone does something to us, we might want to get back at them, but we might want to up it just a little, right? We want to cause a little more pain to someone else than has been inflicted on us because of our anger, because of our desire to get revenge on that person. And the law was basically saying you can't do it that way. If you take revenge, then your revenge needs to be limited by the, the, the suffering that you have personally. Whatever they cost you, you can cost them, but no more. So it was a limit. But Jesus says, that's not the way my followers work. In fact, we work in a very different way. Verse 39, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, and that was not only painful, but an insult, that's what Jesus is talking about, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you to take your shirt, in other words, there's a debt to be paid, and they're going to sue you to get it back, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. This was going back to the Roman soldiers who were occupying the region of Judea and Galilee. And Jesus is saying the rules are, if one of them says, carry my military equipment for a mile, you got to do it. You're obligated to do it. That's the law. And I'm telling you, go the, this is where we get the phrase, extra mile, right? Take it too. It's easy to listen to what Jesus says there and say, I, I don't know if I want to live that way. Jesus, that's, that's pretty hard. When people do us wrong, we get that immediate reaction is, I want them to feel the way they have made me feel. I don't like this. And Jesus is saying, for my followers, I want you to release that feeling. I want you to be a people who forgive. I want you to be a people who refuse to take revenge because you know it's not going to help anything. In fact, it's just going to make matters worse. So don't do it. One more command, even more overarching than anything he said so far. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You say, well, I don't remember that one. Okay, I remember the love your neighbor. We've talked about that a lot, right? Well, that's part of who we are, love God, love others. We looked at various verses that say just that. But the hate your enemy part, I don't remember. Well, it's not in the Bible, but it was on the words of the rabbis of Jesus' day. He has a better way. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So what's Jesus saying? I think he's going all the way back to the beginning. 
saying, you know, in creation itself, I created each one in my image, in the image of God. And as difficult and troubling as people are, God has chosen to love each one. Now, we live in a world where, man, we can have a long list of enemies, right? Because we don't only just know the people who live around us, we have constant access to the stream of information that can create enemies that we'll never even meet. Enemies around the world. People that we don't like what they're doing. We resent what they're doing to other human beings. And we see all of that and they become our enemies. And Jesus is saying, you need to be praying for those people. We don't really feel like doing that, do we? I mean, it's pretty easy to love those who reciprocate the kind of love that we've shown. I mean, when they love us, it's easy to love them. Jesus says love the people who are even difficult in your life. People you don't even understand why they act the way they act. Love even those people. And we look at all this teaching, and this is a big chunk on the Sermon on the Mount, so clearly this is important to Jesus. And we think about how Jesus is calling us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Part of what it means to live in the kingdom of God is that relationships matter. Treat them with care. And they are so important. They will dictate so many decisions that we make. And we need to treat them with real care if they're going to be healthy, lifelong relationships. Now we look at what Jesus is teaching here. And I'm just reminded of the fact that we may say this is, this is really demanding stuff. Hey, this is not just about, you know, having a nice relationship with the people that I live with, my family. This is, this is hard. And I'm reminded of the fact that God knows exactly how hard this is. Because when we start talking about revenge and forgiveness, and we're talking about loving people who don't love you, this is all about God inviting each human being into a relationship with Him. And how costly that was for God Himself. The price that had to be paid was Jesus on the cross for him to invite us back into a relationship with him. And I don't think we're going to be called to pay that same kind of price that God did for our regular everyday relationships. But, but I think he is saying this matters so much that certainly it's all in the framework of seeking God and his righteousness, putting first things first. But these relationships really do matter, and we have to treat them with a lot of care if they're going to last for our lifetime. And he's given us some really simple things to do. I mean, the first one is speak truth. Be the kind of person that when, when you say it, people can count on the fact that it is as true as you know it to be. I mean, you are giving them the honest truth. Now, sometimes even speaking truth is hard to do because we sometimes have to say things that people don't want to hear, and I don't like doing that. I don't like speaking things that people don't want to hear, things that are hard to say and hard to hear. But, but if we're the kind of person that Jesus has called us to be, then the people that we speak truth to 
should know that we're not doing it because we enjoy it. We're not doing it because we want to feel better than them or make them feel bad about themselves. But when we speak truth, even difficult truth, we're doing it because we believe that it should be spoken. And that because God is a God of truth, we are not afraid of truth. So speak truth. Forgive hurt. We've talked about how easy forgiveness is to talk about. It's easy to say that you should forgive this person who did this to you until we're in the middle of a situation where forgiveness is actually required of us. But I know for sure, and I think you do too, that there is no way to have a relationship that's going to last for our lifetime or the lifetime of the other person if we don't have some ability to forgive. Because somewhere along the way, the people who are closest to us are going to do something that hurts. And we're going to either have to forgive or break the relationship. And relationships matter when you treat them with care. And so we're going to be required to actually forgive, as hard as that is. And then finally, Jesus calls us to love. And that really is the overarching theme. And that goes back to the kind of love that God has shown to us that we don't deserve. But that's just the kind of love that we need to offer other people. This sacrificing, giving kind of love that allows us to continue in relationships. Relationships are going to be part of every day, every decision. And the question we have to answer over and over is am I taking care of these relationships in a way that puts first things first? Am I modeling my relationships after the relationship that God has opened up to me that I will never deserve? Or is it all about me and what people can do for me and how I feel about the relationship regardless of how they feel about it and how I feel about myself regardless of how they feel about themselves? Let's show people that not only the relationship, but they matter. And so we want to treat them with care. Let's pray together. We are so blessed that you have offered more than we could ask or imagine in Jesus' death for us. And you've opened up to us the opportunity to know you. And God, we're thankful for that. It's a blessing to us in so many ways. And God, we come before you today once again, asking for the forgiveness that we don't deserve and offering the love that is less than you deserve, but that we have for you. So God, we pray that you will give us the kind of strength that's necessary to extend to others the kind of truth and forgiveness and love that you have offered us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.